really handsome right now. No, you don't. Josh, Josh, <laughs> Josh, that's Joseph. That's actually Joseph you're looking at. <laughs> All right, already? Yes, sir. Let's do it. <clears throat> What's up, climate change deniers? Welcome to Time is a Flat Circle. A look at how humans keep getting it wrong. I'm your host, Joseph, the youngest, and I'm here with a few of my friends. We got a special guest today. I'm going to throw it to him first. Big old Josh. What's up? <laughs> What's up, everybody? All my anti-vaxxers, my flat earthers, yes. my moon landing deniers, all you other fucking dumbasses. This is Big Fat Johnson, the motherfucking building. Joining the podcast today with uh, with no having done no research on this topic. All right. Great intro, great intro. We're also here with um, my brother, Adrian. Yes, yes, yes. Recording live from my attic because it's the only place uh, <laughs> my wife will let me uh, speak to my friends. So. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm the opposite of Josh in that I've probably done way too much research for this topic. Like, <laughs> way too much research. <laughs> All right. Also here with my other brother, Jaime. Yo, what's up, y'all? Tuning in, fresh off of work, full plate of barbecue. I'm ready to do this. And finally, my last brother, Hondo. Hola, como estas? Yo soy Alejandro. How's it going, everyone? <laughs> you might notice a, a severe lack of my final brother, Andre, but he's uh, not joining us this one. So let's get going. Let's talk about what we're going to talk about. We've decided to land on the topic of the brave little toaster for this episode's discussion. And the reason why is we think it falls in line with a lot of the topics that we generally include in these discussions. Uh, one being a menagerie of different archetypes and also whether or not it maps to our friend group as a whole. So let's talk about how this movie came to be, what it did to our childhoods, why it's so strange watching it now through adult lenses and what we can pull from it in terms of what does it tell us about society then, now, and going forward. So a little bit of history behind this movie, uh, something that I wanted to just throw out there right at the beginning because I think it's going uh, <clears> to <throat> inspire a lot of uh, different perspectives, a lot of different conversations. This movie was made by the core crew that... Uh, its individual members ended up being one of the first teams on Pixar. John Lasseter was a very strong component of putting this movie together, which is why it sounds and looks and feels like a poor kid's toy story. Uh, uh, that John Lasseter, legend. Yeah, child molester, legend. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you can't, can't deny it. I mean, you could, but where's the proof? Proof <laughs> <laughs> denial. All right, so um, let's uh, let's just jump into it. Um, I want to share some uh, uh, stories about what you thought of it as a child versus how you saw this movie since we just recently watched it, uh, excluding Josh. <laughs> Well, since Josh hasn't seen it like with new new eyes, let's uh, get yeah. his take on how he remembers it. I remember the Brave Little Toaster um, being an allegory as a child for feeling wanted and wanting to feel useful. But you know, now that I'm an adult, I just feel like it's um, it's nothing more than capitalist propaganda. <laughs> telling everybody to be useful for the bigger machine and to produce for your industry. And, to, you know, I mean, like these poor appliances, they get all depressed when they don't work anymore. When, you know, that's just, that's, that's how they were built. They were built to last, but because they're not working anymore, the, the poor fucking electric blanket is not, you know, not needed. It's like, they're all meant to feel like shit. And that's how we in this fucking like shitty capitalist society we live in. We're all made to feel like shit when we can't perform up to our overlord's demands. Solid. 
solid take there. So wow. it's just it's wait, wait, wait. terrible. Wait, wait. It's terrible capitalist propaganda <laughs> making people feel bad because they get tired after working forty hours a week. I just want to I just want to make sure that th- this is the take that you have. From like watching it when you were back like nine years old? <laughs> That's what you took away from it? I was woke as fuck at elementary school, Adrian. <laughs> I read I read Karl Marx for like a second grade <laughs> Everything is about class struggle. Everything. Fuck the proletariat, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, right. speaking, speaking of which, Jaime, I, I said I, uh, I I met up with Mr. Hobart today. Wow. Yeah, I was like, Mr. Hobart, what's up? Thank you for inspiring me to do shit in my life. And he's like, was he like, you? fucking get away? It's like, I'm sorry, who are your kids? He remember me. He was really flattered. I stopped by because like my deposition was right by St. Gregory, so I just stopped by, and I saw him and Coach Conchas. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, so Josh obviously taking it back to coming full circle, taking it back to our childhood. So I guess that's a good place for me to enter. Um, I just remember the poster, uh, an adventure film. Don't even remember much other than that. Uh, watching it now is a completely different story, which I'm sure we'll be getting into uh, soon enough. I'll kick it over to Hondo for his interpretation from back before he grew up. Has he grown up? That is a very good question, sir. My answer to that is probably not. <clears throat> but with that being said, I remember watching the Brave Little Toaster and seeing it for exactly what it was titled. It was this little toaster that was trying to do a bunch of stuff while being brave. It had a happy ending. Everything was rather lighthearted from my from my memory. Um, and after watching it today, I feel like all of my memories and emotions as a kid were just shat upon. Uh, so <laughs> we can dive into that part later, but yeah, kind of going back to the point, I just, I remember this being a lighthearted, fun, happy go lucky movie. And I have no idea why I thought that as a kid. <clears throat> Adrian, uh, what are your yeah. thoughts? I feel like it's going to be more or less the same. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm right there with everyone. Like it, it, to me, I remember it being like a really fun like adventure like you were on that journey with like this ragtag crew of misfits and they just wanted to get back to their master and it it, it was all good fun like just adventure i quite honestly did not expect to see the movie that i saw when i <laughs> when i watched it <laughs> it was ridiculous uh, okay I, so this movie came out this movie came out in 1987. So what what kind of what what do you think was your respective uh, years of age when you saw this movie the first time? Because it was around the time that I mean, it, you would have seen it kind of like on tape yeah. or yeah, yeah. on on. I was going to say DVD, but on VHS. <laughs> DVD no, I, I, <laughs> on VHS. Almost, we're almost I specifically uh, watching this. So I had, I had a cousin who was about six or seven years older than me. She would watch me and her little brothers. And, um, this was like, I mean, she was born, you know, well before we were, of course. So I guess she was like the appropriate age for brave little toasters first release and all that. So it was definitely her favorite movie. And she would always put this on when she had to watch us. So that's why I have so many memories of this and why it burned into my brain that I had to be a good worker and be useful. (laughs) (laughs) Which is really not what the story is about, but even back then or now. Uh, But Joseph, I I think there's no way that uh, Adrian and Hondo and I are all about the same age. Uh, There's no way we could have seen it uh, after the age of eight. We probably saw it before. Yeah, it had to be pretty pretty young. I was around six when I saw it. Five or six. Well, what's... What's right. interesting to me is, I guess my my initiation to it was more based on. It's kind of like what Josh was saying. It was whenever Adrian saw it, is when I saw it. So I could have been like way younger, and I guess that's what didn't do it for me. Like that wasn't my jam because I remember specific scenes very well, but it more like they were seared into my memory as opposed to they were things that I remembered about beats of the story. Like I do not at all recall the storyline. Um, even after watching it just now, uh, it, it's still kind of just scenes. It's just a, 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 a menagerie of scenes put together to create some kind of cohesive uh, journey. But um, 
yeah, I think that's that's how I interpret it when I was a kid. And I, I guess I wasn't as surprised as maybe y'all were uh, as to the movie that I, I saw when I watched it again. <clears throat> I don't know, dude. So I know Adrian, you posted in our chat that we tend to have as a group outside of our podcast, but seeing that the fire, the firefighting clown with, with the smile and then he just grins and whispers to run like that legit. Like I had to pause the movie and stop for a second because that literally scared the shit out of me. Dude, that, his teeth. He didn't even move his mouth. He, he whispers through his teeth. Yes, that, that clown is y'all. Y'all know my cousin Tim. That clown is literally the reason why my cousin Tim hates clowns. For sure, yeah, yeah. No, it's just the the clown. There was a lot of. I almost feel like there was like psychedelic trippy concepts to it too. Like during the dream or when the animals were in the the lake area, it just felt. Like if Alice in Wonderland was a horror movie, like that's kind of what in my mind said I was waiting for is just I was waiting for something bad to start happening. And it was like it never quite got there, but it gave you enough of an imagination to where you kind of started picturing it in your own head. And yeah. I just it just it really just took me for a left turn when I wasn't expecting it to. It kind of uh, puts together a lot of different styles and it's hard to swing that hard from one style to the next without feeling like you're jolted into like a different movie for a few for a few scenes, uh, especially the songs. The songs could have easily been like music videos for that era's like music, uh, I guess, genres that were around because each song, I, I don't think there's like more than four songs in the movie, but each one of them is catchy in a way that only 80s music could have been catchy. Like it sounds like Pet Shop Boys. It sounds like uh, it sounds like any like uh, Aha or um, just kind of like hype track. Uh, it's it's crazy how 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 much uh, genre shifting the movie does. Uh, go ahead, Josh. Now, I have to ask you, Joseph. Does a movie like this could that get could a movie like this get made today? Oh, for sure. For sure. I, I think that this kind of movie could definitely get made because of how easily dark stuff gets into kids cartoons now. Um, I mean, adults are watching kids cartoons because people understand that cartoons aren't just for kids anymore. But I, I would say like the, the fact that the Brave Little Toaster was made to begin with is kind of like it, the fact that it just slipped through the, the cracks of the machine that was Disney at the time. Like it apparently the the heads didn't go with it so they put it to some independent label that, that was under disney and then that ended up getting bankrolled by like an other independent firm so they had kind of free reign and creative control over it which led to this really strange fucking movie yeah i mean well, also, disney has too much of a monopoly now let shit like that happen anymore right i mean how, how many animation studios do we have now besides disney pixar well look at netflix man they'll buy anything yeah. Comedy Central 2.0. But I yeah, mean, I, I, I get like, what you're saying. Yeah. That's kind of what we, that's kind of what we discussed last, last podcast is just like, is there a monopoly that is, is either going to um, stifle creativity or let it flourish because there's, there's not any pressure anymore. Like you don't really have to worry about whether or not the next Disney movie is going to make $2 billion worldwide. It just kind of is. Um mm -hmm. I feel like you, you got something to say. Oh, yeah. I mean, so watching the film now and interpreting it now, I mean, this is just some of the most dour uh, and dire circumstances for anyone uh, to ever uh, be in. Uh, the, I, I really like the way that it starts off. Uh, it's called it's this technique. It's called end media rest, which means like in the middle of the story. Um, so they're, they're all cleaning and they're all tired of it and everybody's sick of it. And, uh, and they're like, well, what are we going to do today? And it's like, well, we're going to clean. And it's like, okay, well, we've been doing that for the last 2000 days. So you're like, wait, what, like how long? And then you slowly start to find out like, oh, okay. They had someone that, you know, was their master was taking care of them. There were appliances in the house. And at some point they all just snap and like, you know what, let's just go out and find them. We've been doing this for how many years is 2000 days. Uh, quick, any math majors out there? Three. Like, six, like six years, roughly. Give or take. Yeah. So they've been doing that same for six years, awaiting the return. 
no end in sight. We're just going to strike out on our own. And we're, we're, we're just, we're just done. Everyone's attitude with the exception of the brave little toaster is like, why are we even trying? Why, why are we even, especially the vacuum? It was just like climbing, shitting on everyone the whole time. Uh, why, why are we even going to try this? And and then they still go and try. So for like whether your appliances or a group of friends or one individual to be in that kind of a situation, you're just longing for the return of of uh, the your loved ones to, to what is Hondo doing back there? He's trying uh, to uh, to, uh, <laughs> to, uh, to to come back, and you're just you're just going crazy because of cabin fever, and there's no end in sight. Then at what point do you just go and step out? So, and that's how the story starts. And we don't even see another living soul unless you count the animals. Um, so I'm halfway through, it and it's 45 minutes, and we still haven't even seen an ind- an individual human being yet. Like that's 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 a true. Like just that's the way the story was being told. Like. Wow. That that might play into like I have serious pacing issues with this movie, um, which also might be why I don't really remember the storyline that well. It's just scenes. But this kind of uh, plays into uh, the idea that there's a call to action, like the call to action isn't so much that uh, something's happening within. It's something that is happening uh, without them. So like there's a need to go and search for master, which is creepy 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 way to refer to this little child but uh yeah. the whole the whole movie like the whole movie um but besides that i mean uh it, this reminds me so much of um kind of the opposite of uh, watership down where there's like a reason to leave as opposed to a reason to go uh it, but it, it kind of has the same uh, archetypal characters in it too um all the the different uh group that that leaves is uh pretty interesting in terms of the kind of archetypes that they fit into. Yeah. I agree with you, what you're saying, Joseph, too, kind of not, like not thinking about it. The movie itself, I feel is very frenetic in the sense that it's essentially six, 15 minute scenes chopped up together to create one end to end story. Cause you start off in the cabin, then you go to the pond place, then you go to the hill. Like it's just, it's essentially the same thing in that 15 minute segments where something happens you have to get through it. You get past it, and then you repeat that cycle until you have the entire movie quota set up for getting to the end of the movie. I mean, that's weird. I never thought of it that way. You're just bringing it up where it's it's essentially like the same micro story told six times within the construct of the whole story. Is yeah. there a term for that, Joseph? <clears throat> um, no. <laughs> I thought there had to be like some sort of it, it's called a story Josh no 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 I think it's uh, uh, what's what's uh, like the cyclical character arc is uh, kind of just build like the whole reason that the brave little toaster doesn't do anything as opposed to like Lampy lights the way the vacuum cleaner Kirby just pulls them along like he's the the big brute um blinky like shelters them he's like pretty much useless you think and then he's a tent for all of them to be underneath um but what is a brave little toast to do other than just identify all the other character traits by living through the character arcs that are within well, those little segments no no but <laughs> but to Jaime's point i feel like that that's why the brave little toast is just the title character like there oh, are yeah, these yeah. like six uh, recurring stories right and the whole time every piece they're in, everyone's asking like why go on why go on why go on the brave little toaster is the one that like is the one to answer that or answer the call and say like no we we need to go on for this reason outside of ourselves which yeah, is have you, the master have y'all watched any of weird. the uh have y'all watched any of the the that watership down next netflix series that's on mm-hmm. right now no uh, yes. no it's pretty intense, but, uh, it, no, it, it basically follows that same, that same dynamic. Um, but what is that archetype then it's, it, I think it's just the leader, like the, yeah. the leader doesn't really need any special talents. He just needs to know how to exploit the talents of the group that he's in. While still keeping cool. them together. And I exploits probably like a negative word, right? Like it's the, well, it's, it's charged, but I don't think it's yeah. like, you still want to exploit the, the talent of your team. Like no, no matter, like it, 
it might be, it might have a negative connotation to it, but I don't think there's any other better word. Like that's really what you should be doing. I mean, uh, like, I don't think that he's, he's ex- like, I don't think it's exploitation so much as he's using them for whatever and discarding them. So that way he can be the only one to reunite with the master. <laughs> that's just what? weird. Well, uh, but that, is that even the case? Though? Like, like, it's for all of them. Like, he's utilizing everybody's yeah. talents. Yeah. So well, they, I mean, they're common. And then at the end of the movie, like he's the one that's willing to, I mean, well, they all kind of do it in their own ways throughout the movie. But at the end, he like legit just throws himself into death, like to, yeah. to stop you by that. Jesus. He literally took a note, took a head into a trash compactor to save his master. Like, and they show it like in detail of the toaster crumpling up and like being smashed in between the gears. That is wasted moment though. Way, way wasted moment. Like, you couldn't just you couldn't just like hang on that that fact for a little bit and let everyone realize that the brave little toaster is just fully dead before nope, he's back. Like he's just back all good as new. Yeah. It's like they knew that kids were watching this, so they couldn't let you focus on that scene for too long because at that point kids would have started crying. So they needed to show you like, but, oh no, it's okay. Like they could have yeah, waited three days. Like audience thing. Maybe, maybe yeah, they could have waited three days. Right? <laughs> they could have waited yeah, three Does that sound like some sort of test some sort of test audience correction <clears throat> that they showed this? I don't even think so. I think I honestly think they just like ran out of time because <laughs> it would have taken way, it would have taken way longer to keep animating that scene. Yeah. 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 So Adam McKay uh, was listening to this. I won't say which one because Andre's going to lose his mind if I say it, but he was on some podcasts not so long ago and he was talking about how, um, <sighs> The first run of Anchorman that they showed at test audiences, people hated the fact that Baxter died, even though it's completely obvious that it was a fake dog that Jack Black punts in that scene. Right? Um, but they they re they rewrote the script just to put Baxter coming back at the end of back, the movie. Yeah. yeah. So whenever so whenever stuff like that happens now i feel like if it's like wasted scenes or wasted death scenes especially of like really liked characters like brave little toaster i feel like that's some sort of course correction by somebody else other than the actual script writer there wasn't there wasn't any way that the brave little toaster wasn't coming back i just think that they did it way too fast like it it, okay. it should have played out the way it did it just was like the that's all about pacing like it's so strangely paced yeah, well, because even in the same Lampy, like when they when they need to charge the battery, like Lampy sticks his nose up in the air and gets struck by lightning. Like no one ever thinks like, oh, he actually could something could happen to him. Like he ends up coming right back and everything's all good. Like you knew you know from the very beginning, like no one's gonna die in this movie. I Wait, but, but I want y'all's reaction. I want y'all's reaction to like the heaviest scene in the whole goddamn movie where Kirby just like scoots back after realizing that all of his friends are dead in a waterfall and there's no music at all. You just hear rushing water and him just like leaving, just slowly leaving before like going back in to save him. There was so many heavy parts though. Like that, that I think pulled emotionally, but watching, uh, the shining guy off himself <laughs> the, the okay there's there's some levity to like those moments though like there's uh even oh. the cars committing suicide they're singing like the happiest song about how they're worthless like all of that stuff like there's levity to it this is like complete uh directorial uh decision of like no let's not put any music on at this scene where this inanimate object that is alive for whatever reason has just seen all of the all of his other friends die (laughs) i feel like that wasn't the well for me at least like i feel like the heaviest part was when uh that the collector or whatever he was he had you hear in the background someone's like hey i need a new bed i need a new blender battery and then you're like oh shit he has a blender inside his shed or whatever and then they actually show him getting ready to start taking apart the blender and you don't even see it you don't even you just see shadows of it yeah but at the same time like you recognize like from the concept of the movie it's a sentient thing that does not want to be taken apart and then they sit there and show you like silhouettes and they show you the oil dripping off of the end of the off the table and stuff and you're like holy shit this thing just got killed in front of them and 
it's like nothing happened as a result of it. Okay. So no joke, this is going to be uh, completely just kind of out of left field for, for me, but uh, I think it's funny that that scene mirrors a scene that is getting such critical acclaim right now in a star is born where the camera stays on <laughs> Bradley Cooper while Lady Gaga is singing. And it's just shadows of what's going on from like her uh, being played out on like his face and the wall behind him. And that's exactly the scene that was uh, with like just a blender getting annihilated by uh, um, what's the guy's name? St. Pete. I feel like a lot of these concepts uh, that are covered in Brave Little Toaster, I, I just kind of have a feeling that um, Seth Rogen was just like blazed off his mind watching this movie. And that's how he came up with Sausage Party. <laughs> it's just like giving like giving human characteristics to things that don't need human characteristics for you to tell a story. <laughs> I mean, because I can't think of any other movie before Brave Little Toaster where that was done. Toy Story? Before Brave Little Toaster. Oh. Toy Story came like 10 years after and we had some of the same creative team. As far as a feature film goes, I'm sure uh, Warner Brothers were doing like uh, cartoons. I don't know about a with animals. Like I mean, like, what, I mean about, was, what about those cartoons where like the race car and like the race car son or like the taxi and then the son was like wanted to be a race car? Anyone remember those cartoons? The Tex Avery cartoons. Anna Barbera, some stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Is that this taxi from Roger Rabbit? No, no, no. no. Okay, that was. I'll need to find it. It, it looks like it though. There's, but there's like uh, like four versions of that exact same story. There's like a plane, the plane, the car. Yeah. Mm. There's uh, the there's a boat, the tugboat, I think. the tugboat, yeah. and the race boat, racing boat. The car, because the car tries to like put a bigger engine in itself so it can race the train, and then it just gets crushed by the train, right? There's yeah. a uh, there's a Roku channel with like public domain cartoons. We could probably find it on that. Uh, that's that that I, I guess that's the Icarus story, but that's not what's going on here. Like I think this is like uh, this is a this is a different sort of story. I think I think uh, Josh might be a little bit right. Like this is a different sort of story. This kind of puts a few different kinds of character arcs together to, to I guess make it easier to empathize with characters that you you shouldn't. So I, I'm seeing in the Brave Little Toaster like the savior archetype, right? Like he calls them to action, leads them, sacrifices himself. What are the other ones? Man, that's tough. Uh, I'm not sure. Like I don't know what like is Kirby the warrior or I don't know. I think I think Blanky, the Blanky is the lover. But Blanky also has the best uh, character arc in this story, right? He's not the same person he was in the beginning. Like he, you actually see the most growth from him, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you say that? No, I mean, I think Blanky's kind of the lover. He wants everyone to get along, and he, he tends to become, in my opinion, he's annoying at first, but it becomes kind of like infectious towards the end where you end up being happy for him because, like, um, the vacuum, the toast, everyone, they slowly start becoming more comfortable with him I guess you can say and there's even that scene in the tent where Lampy asks him like well why are you like Lampy's trying to understand why the brave little toaster's hugging with him in the first place and it's not so much a change in Blinky himself it's a change in how the characters around him view him so I would, so I would say like his character kind of stays the same the whole movie yeah everybody else he just gets better he just gets yeah. better at what he wants to do yeah <clears throat> Well, I, I think like all of the characters kind of stay the same except Toaster. The air conditioner. <laughs> <laughs> he realizes that yeah, he's, he's in a very different state. Yeah. <laughs> he's a window unit. It's not a window unit out there. He's not an invalid. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would argue that he, he kind of has kind of a change, right? Because in the beginning, he's like, no, he left us. The master left us. He knows to love us. And at the end, when the master fixes him, he realizes like, oh, no, I do have a purpose. I do have a sense of importance. And you kind of see that reflected in his face, facial expressions, like after he gets fixed. 
So what what do you think is a better version of this story then? Is there a better version or was this really well done? I remember in some of the research that I came across is that Toy Story 3 was essentially a remake of this story. I hadn't seen Toy Story 3, but... Uh, yeah, that, I, no, that's a pretty popular opinion that I've heard too. Yeah. I think... I think a better a better interpretation is that the trilogy of story, Toy Story one, two, and three is just like a very extended version of the entirety of Brave Little Toaster because all it's of like, those different things happen. It's like Toy Story like one is like the prequel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it expects you to know that. Like that's why, like you were saying, yeah. that it starts in media res. Like that, you, it, ex- it it exposes that to you in the exposition. So it's, it's all the different stories, very condensed and like not very well done. So, I can't, so, I can't so you mean this team learned their lesson the first from the first time? Like you actually have to show the human character actually loving the inanimate objects, and that's why you well, there's flashbacks. There's flashbacks. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's flashbacks, flashbacks like, but I mean, there's like there's not enough of that relationship there as opposed to Toy Story, which is the whole crux of that. Thing. Yeah. I mean, at least at least Woody calls him Andy and not Master. <laughs> <laughs> you would think that being so fond of a uh, child they known for years, they did, would be able to call him by his name and not uh, Master. So, yeah. Blanky so, so and here's Lampy one makes here's, sense. Here's a better. But, uh, here's a better why, full why? story. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Homeward Bound. Homeward Bound is the same story told better. Mm. But but is it is it more affectionate because they're pets and so and it was live action? No, or? it's a better movie. It was all it was a hundred percent a better movie. Yeah, I mean they consolidated the characters. They took like what really makes like the it resonate with people and and said the exact same story, right? Like they're they're looking for their master masters in that movie and it would make sense for them to call them master i would like to think that, that my dog knows my name he doesn't just call me master how would you know josh i don't know i just would like to think that <laughs> have you seen your dog interacting with other dogs i have <laughs> <laughs> maybe so i don't know okay 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 so tie it into what's going on now what is similar to this either ability to tell this kind of story or why is this story important to so many people as uh, a nostalgia piece like so- does it inform the generation that exists right now in a way that's obvious to how we deal with certain kinds of issues? And uh, what are the stories that are around right now that kind of feed into it? I'll jump into the answering the first part of the question. I, I do think that to a certain extent, subconsciously, like if we all just absorbed it, it did kind of prep us for, for the fact like the world is not all kind and rosy and fair right like they they had to go through a lot to get to what they wanted so i'd say like that is actually a pretty honest representation of like what it means to be like an adult in the real world um i'd also say that like it did very lightly touch on the fact that like the scariest thing isn't how bad and how dangerous the real world is it's like the stuff that's living in your head because quite honestly like that the firefighter clown was the scariest <laughs> thing that happened in the whole movie right like like what's in your head is way scarier than anything that's like actually out there in the real world so what i was thinking about is and i was trying to search for this in in the article that adrian sent uh uh, to us and maybe there's another interview with uh, this guy Dish I think was the last name uh, on what his thought process was for, for writing that for writing that film and coming up with that is I mean it was the 80s ATMs were in everybody was getting credit cards uh, appliances were new and on the scene you could have huge TVs in your homes so like what I was wondering was the brave little toaster a story of telling like how quickly, uh, how quick we are to 
just kind of pick up on the latest technology and leave the old stuff behind. Uh, well, there's a whole, there's a whole song dedicated to that idea in the movie. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. So, and that's, and that, that's what I was wondering if that was the crux of the film for this guy dish who was, uh, I think, uh, agent correct me if I'm wrong. here was writing sci-fi, um, yeah. if, not, if not writing about sci-fi. So, if that's what he wanted to show, like, I mean, maybe not that there, that there's a saving grace or anything for the old appliances, but just to show like, we're just so quick to pick up and move on to the next thing. Like just discarding things along the way and leaving property to, to let it be or throwing it out in the junkyard or something like that. So I don't know if there's a lesson in there, but that's what I was kind of wondering is, is he trying to show us like, we're so quick to jump on the latest technology that what we had was, whatever you know so Maybe. but does it go back to the i mean I, I know it was like you know being extremely facetious at the beginning of the podcast talking about just being like <laughs> propaganda but i mean it does there there is a lot of um there is a lot of pride in being useful to the people around you like being a good parent if you have kids or being a good spouse if you're married or being a good friend or being a good child to your parents as all of our parents are getting older and you know we're eventually we're gonna have to start taking, taking care of them and i think there is like a huge theme here throughout the movie of wanting to be useful wanting to be needed and that's kind of a very natural human desire is to want people to need you or want you around right but, but in the movie though I, w- I, w- I would push back on that because i would say the Appliances didn't feel the need to be needed. They, from the very beginning, were like, no, we need to get to our master because that's who we want to be around. It was not necessarily a story of them needing to find validation in their own worth. It was, in my opinion, it was a story of them going against what everyone is telling them because the AC unit's telling them they're not valuable. The other appliances are telling them they're not valuable. When they're in the warehouse house, they're saying, hey, y'all are stuck here. Just stop trying to find your master because you're going to be sold for parts. At the end, the, uh, the uh, what the fuck is that thing called? Um, the magnet mm-hmm. is trying so hard to put him in the trash compactor. And they're, this whole story is just one big defiant thing of telling people we know what we are and you can't change that. So it's it's kind of a macrocosm in my or it's a microcosm and opinion of the, the story itself, right? Like someone had this idea, someone tried to push this idea, they told them no, this is gonna be a shit movie, don't do it. And then they were like, Well fuck you, we'll find someone who did, and it ended up being really successful. So it's just it's that overarching mindset of you can't let someone else tell you what to do because it's just gonna end up leaving you somewhere you don't want to be. It's on you to make those decisions in life and to dictate your own value. So another another little piece of uh, interesting facts about the, how this movie was made. Um, so uh, like Adrian said earlier, it was uh, kind of handed off to a few different people and bankrolled by uh, a certain studio. But that studio wasn't going to have the budget that they wanted to uh, actually get the animation done the way the team that uh, created the story and, and, and storyboarded it wanted it done. So they were going to ship it off to um, overseas to get the animation done. All of the team actually decided to just kind of finish it quicker and work longer hours to get it done um, right, the way that the animation, they, they wanted the animation to look. So it's it's interesting because it kind of sounds like they had a, a general story going with uh, appliances that just wanted to get back to their owner. But along the way, they kind of picked up on these themes that they may have seemed like it, it was shoehorned in like that whole um, validation aspect of it and the whole uh, idea that the new technology in, in this kid's apartment was just like so ready to kick it out. And there's like, there's uh, different schools of thought in the, the characters that you are introduced to in that new apartment. Like, Oh, well that's not cool. Oh no, that is cool. Like, what's the what's the reasoning behind it and uh it's it's almost like were the appliances just trying to get marie condoed out of the life of the 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 person like do they do they just need to feel appreciated and and then then be thrown away respectfully is that what they, is that what their validation w- would have been give them a fair give them a a, a farewell <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
the proper way to retire a bad toaster. <laughs> I mean, obviously there's not one cause he, he decided to like bang it out and get the toaster back to life. Here's a thought. Andy was just a, he's just a 1980s hipster. Like he just wanted all the old school, less futuristic stuff. And that's why he kept being so focused on going to junkyards and getting old school stuff. He's like the ironic guy who like still watches movies on VHS. So hi, man. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm gonna come up. Uh, I, I don't. I don't oh, want. Hey, that was a joke. You really have a VCR, I man? No, I don't have. I don't have a TV. No, it gets better. He doesn't even have a TV. Oh, I know that. I know he doesn't have a TV. Yeah. Why would he have a VCR if he doesn't have a TV? You idiot. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I was so confused. I was like, why do you have? Do you have a VCR and like play? You know, it has like some sort of HDMI adapter so you can watch on your laptop. That was too far. Something something Hyman would do. Okay, okay, okay. One real quick thing I want to throw out there. Did anyone uh, catch? The real to real, whose reels were tits. No, no I don't that? think I. I don't think I recognize that. Okay, I will. Uh, I'll send you something in the Slack later. But uh, no, this was a this was a legitimate concern of mine. I was very uh, disturbed by it. All right, so where 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 does this take us from here? What is uh, what's the next generation's brave little toaster? Like what what are kids gonna watch right now or in the uh, near future that aligns with this idea or is it a wasted idea already? Like, are we so far into that capitalist society idea of how people are treated and how we're supposed to treat each other that this doesn't even matter? Yep. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one thing I was, I was thinking about to, to go back to the Warner brothers stuff is that uh, the origin of cartoon at least the United States anyway, uh, were like political cartoons and they were made like for adults. They were caricatures essentially of uh, leading political figures at the time, uh, you know, the president of the United States or other popular celebrities uh, that were cartooned and sort of spoofed um, in this way uh, of what's essentially like the public play. So like before TV, you had the town square, right? And every, and you'd have the, the jokesters and the performers uh, who would put on a play uh, uh, mocking or, or performing a satire of the current political events um, or economic events of the day. And this was a really popular thing. So you'd have someone come and it was very controversial because you, have, you would have someone mocking the Pope uh, or mocking the mayor uh, or congressman or, or whoever. Uh, and, and, so, and so that's, and so cartoons were made kind of along those lines and it was cartoons that showed young people how what it was like i guess to kind of be an adult or what it was like to, to band together um with your friends and so to see all of these uh disney films that were made in the late 80s and early 90s uh, like carried on in in that tradition whereas now uh films might just be celebrating uh, I don't know. Uh, just just being younger, and here is what here's what it is to achieve that now. Uh, Fourteen year olds, thirteen year olds, you know, uh, being on uh, some celebrity uh, show and how they're performing. Um, I think there's some reality TV show out there where uh, something about st stage moms, I think it's called, or something like that, uh, where you have these kids who are in kindergarten and it's like how uh, how much they can present them to be uh, to, to showcase and things like that. So that's what I would like to see. Uh, with with uh, cartoons and, and films, animated films moving forward is kind of those adult life lessons that you might not pick up on when you're watching it as we were at age six and seven and eight. All we were, you know, getting a kick out of was this vacuum that kept falling over, you know, but then you go back and watch it and it's like, oh, there are actually some real lessons there. Or if they're a little bit older, let's say we were 10, 12 years old and saw a little brave little toaster, maybe there might be some more lessons in there for us. Spongebob Spongebob <laughs> has some legit lessons in it Yeah, it's got some legit lessons And if you're a little kid, you're not going to see Some of the more adult-themed ones that are on there Like a perfect, I remember an episode where He's at an ice cream bar and he drinks so much ice cream That he gets ice cream drunk You know, and as you're going to be thinking like Oh, it's a kid, you just have a lot of ice cream And you get sleepy, but when you're an adult You see a completely different message that it's trying to show you I mean, we were, we were already seeing movies like 
have like extremely important lessons like that throughout their entire theme. Like, I mean, I think Zootopia is probably the best example of that, right? Like a modern. I think enter uh, into the Spider Verse, enter the Spider Verse, whatever Spider Verse name of it uh, was. That kind of obviously it was about teenagers um, in high school, but you got people dying left and right, uh, uh, dying for causes. Uh, to see that in, in, in a film, I was very taken uh, uh, back. For example, when the uncle who ends up being a bad guy is shot on the spot. Uh, just showing that to, to young people these days is 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 pretty stark. Um, but it shows that people can die at the end of a film or an adventure or something like that. So you can't always take things for granted. Has everybody here seen Zootopia? Yeah. 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 I think that's more in line. Like I get where Jaime is going, but I think that's still a more adult audience. Like it's, you're, you're kind of prepared to see some legitimate story in that, that movie. And it's not as geared towards, uh, as young of an audience as something like Brave Little Toaster, where I think Zootopia definitely is. Um, I'll argue that just on different. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I'll argue that just because Brave Little Toaster, as weird as it seems, saying it, it's rated G. Um, Zootopia is PG, and I think Into the Spider Verse was PG as well. Like, I think uh, it might be PG thirteen. No, Into the Spider Verse is PG. Yeah. So, I mean. You could also say like there was a bias in ratings back then versus, or there was le- more lax ratings, less. Oh, for uh, sure. Yeah, there was more lax ratings. Yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking in that uh, back in 1987, it was actually acceptable um, for uh, parents to take their children to go and see something like this, whereas now uh, things are much more sheltered uh at, at all at, in all aspects of society I, i'm pretty sure everyone in this, in this chat here has uh read and if the article is not the book the coddling of the american mind um and how that's happened on college campuses over the course oh, yeah. Uh, so yeah we must we must have a it must be a different rating system than 1987 god bless well 1987. i guess has there, hold on going back to that as has everybody seen the documentary this film is not yet rated yes no yeah, yeah i mean so I don't That's know the beginning of like the MPAA, right? And how it came. Not even the beginning. It's yeah, like, it's just how, time, how it works today. Yeah. Hey, yeah. At the time the documentary was made, it was the actual structure of the MPAA. And there's no evidence to suggest that it's changed since the documentary was made. It was literally just what, like 12 people, 12 yeah. random people. Super most, subjective. Yeah. Most of them had adult children. So they weren't even parents that were, you know, relatives to this topic anymore. And there was no rhyme or reason. Uh, the the appeals process uh, told the filmmakers that they couldn't rely on precedent, which is ridiculous. <laughs> so they couldn't, you know, bring up examples from other movies that got different ratings. Says the lawyer. That's why I only get my um, movie reviews from the Catholic News Service. They, they <laughs> <laughs> you only watch rated O movies, huh, Joseph? Yep. <laughs> God. It's a, but, uh, a really funny story we can tell from high school about the Catholic <laughs> service ratings. We were only allowed to use like the lowest one that they had. So they were like rated G movies that still didn't make the cut <laughs> for us to watch in high school. Because there was a gay in it. That's why we couldn't watch Remember the Titans even in <laughs> high school. I thought yeah, there was a gay in it. <laughs> Sunshine? Yeah, the gay. <laughs> And I could have sworn we all watched Passion of the Christ together too. So I think they actually took us on a field trip to see that. Oh yeah, we could not have watched that on the grounds on campus. No <laughs> <laughs> not even possible. Yeah, but I remember like Deacon, Deacon What's His Face would show Rudy all the time, and they cussed like crazy in that movie. It was a football movie. But we couldn't watch. Remember the Titans? <laughs> so much tamer football movie. <laughs> Okay, so getting back to the modern day Brave Little Toaster, I think, honestly, Josh touched on maybe the best example because the issues that may have been relevant to the people creating the movie back then with Brave Little Toaster had to be um, kind of the disposable uh, disposable culture that people were being too 
being exposed to in terms of man now when you buy something it's not buy it for life you have to buy the next thing like a couple of years from now it's not like oh things just last as long as you pay the right amount for them now it's well i'm gonna get a a track player but i'm gonna have to get a tape deck in like a couple years and i'm gonna have to get a vcr or i'm gonna have to get a color tv like people were kind of uh i guess middle class wise dealing with the issue of disposable um luxuries and now it's all kind of taken out of that realm of commodities because we can't even get the middle class right like we don't even have a legitimate middle class to be upset about stuff like that now the only thing that uh the lowest common denominator can be upset about is like whether or not you're treated as a person which is why zootopia deals with that issue of um i guess self-respect and like judging a book by its cover uh, which is uh, just kind of wild to go back to like it, it seems like we're going a little bit backwards in terms of the, the lessons we're having to teach our kids i would agree i i feel that as we move forward though like the brave little toaster might end up being a more resonant story just because that feeling of uselessness that the characters are feeling while like from a, one perspective it, it's a treaties on how we dispose of things like flip it on its head and in a few years when ai takes over all our jobs starting with josh's uh we're all gonna be useless <laughs> yeah yeah and rely on on uh just kind of each other to to self-validate and to um internally validate with like your peer group with your friends like your existence is only going to be justified by how much you fit in with the people that you're around man uh, josh is gonna be done <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be like that episode of black mirror where everyone dictates how well you are in society by your uh, approval rating have, you, have y'all seen that episode yeah five stars yeah well i mean everything's five stars Yes, I have other bubbles to go to for that, Joseph. So don't worry about me. Fine. <laughs> yeah, much shittier bubbles. Uh, <laughs> talk about uh, Adrian saying that uh, the the brave little toaster might resonate um, coming up and, and getting back to the the coddling of the American mind is that I think that's what this film shows is although the circumstances all around you might be absolutely uh, dire and you may feel dejected and not like wanting to go on, like they weren't even recognizing that trudging through it. They were just, they were just, okay, this is what we need to do. There's this problem in front of us. Let's come up with the most innovative solution on how to tackle this together. Even though all y'all act like a bunch of jerks, like we can still do this because we've got this common goal. I've got someone leading the way whereas in today it might be like oh my that waterfall is how many feet high and no that forest is way too dark we can't go into that and all this this and that and uh uh you know so that having seen that kind of story being acted out of no matter the circumstances like it, it would you were almost oblivious to it um like i just us growing up and being you know knee deep in mud or uh racing as brothers uh on on bicycles uh on on off trail and and we both wipe out and and crash and and mess up our knee or something like that like you're not even you're not even it's not like you're oblivious to the danger but there's other things that are more important to help you get through your surroundings that are taking uh, that you're giving more weight to and you're giving more attention to to help you get through everything uh, so that's that's what I'm that's what I'm saying. I think I think that kind of speaks to like the whole uh, argument against the millennial generation is that there's less work ethic and things are too easily um, just absconded. Like you just kind of give up on whatever your initial idea was because it's too hard, so you take an easier path. But the I guess underlying reason why that is such a cliche is there's no longer assurances like if you really work hard at something there's never gonna be um and maybe i mean there never really was an assurance that you're gonna get there but there's never really gonna be that same kind of percentage where 
it makes sense to keep going because things are just so buck wild right now in terms of career paths or industries that you can work in or um, ideas that you can have that can be stolen from you so easily. So it, it kind of makes sense to, to, to a short-sighted person to just kind of pivot immediately as soon as something goes wrong. Cause if you just keep taking the easiest path, chances are you'll get somewhere when in reality, you'll probably just end up where you started. I mean, do you think that's pretty much why, I mean, what's the biggest problem in our generation or, or the biggest problem in our generation is that to the previous generation, like fucked up a lot and there's nothing that we can do. Well, I mean, that also, like, we're, you know, we have the most credentials, right? Like, most of us have, like, college degrees and shit, and also, but we also have a bunch of debt. And we had no, you know, direction getting the education that we got and that we took on this debt for, because we were just, we just thought that if you go to college and you get a degree, you'll be fine. But that was yeah. very far from the truth. So we all just, like, I mean, generally speaking, Millennials took not the path of least resistance, but what was supposed to be the easiest path to go down. And then there, there was no pot of gold at the end of those rainbows. And then six to eight years later, you haven't even graduated yet. And you're still, you know, wondering, like, is it worth it? You know, like going back to Joseph, like if you continue down this career path now, that's something that um, in my job, which will remain nameless, uh, that I'm constantly considering. It's like, you know, do you strategic plan and, and, and look for three years out or is uh, te- technology and automation going to automate so many processes that we're going to be looking at a whole different institution or organization in two to three years. So how exactly, you know, do you, do you move forward and, and what, it, what, it, what are you betting on? Um, and, and, and what are you counting on to still be there? And, and what's, and how do you work towards that? All right. I think, uh, I think we got to a place where we can kind of diverge into what the topic might be for, uh, next episode. I I know Haim has been itching to talk about this. I think this might be a good segue into that idea, AI and, uh, what it's going to mean for our jobs, specifically our jobs. I think we can give kind of like some personal, um, anecdotal evidence to whether or not our jobs can be replaced by something that just kind of makes us obsolete or, uh, or no, no, or, I mean, it's going to happen to everyone. So (laughs) what are we going to do about it when, when the time comes? Um, but if everyone is all right with that, uh, let's start winding down, wrapping up. Um, does it map? We map to these characters. Is this, is this just another version of us on the screen, uh, as cartoon, objects that plug in uh i want to start with i want to start with uh blanky just because josh has such a uh, uh, affection for this character uh is 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 josh blanky or does he just like want to be he might be uh i was thinking andre is the vacuum i was Maybe. actually i was gonna say that Andre was blanky and Josh is the vacuum. I was going to say Josh was the AC unit, but <laughs> I was going to start as fuck. I was gonna, do I tell you all you're all ruthless all the time? Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say that, that, that I was blanky. Joseph's the toaster. Uh, Andre's the vacuum. Adrian's the radio, and that would thereby make uh, I don't know if Hondo's the lamp. Josh the lamp? Maybe Hondo's the kid. Maybe Hondo's master. <laughs> I can see that. I would. I would agree with that. I would agree with that mapping right there. I would agree with just Hondo as the master for sure. Like he's just the kid that like <laughs> just holds on to his past. In, in, <laughs> enjoys his like uh, single use friends. Like there's only one thing they're good at. <laughs> like oh hey you guys are back oh sure come on back yeah it's been a while let's do that thing we used to do. <laughs> I don't have a response. I'm sure. <laughs> I don't see it, but I really, I really don't see All right. it. Josh, what do you think then? Do we just not map? I mean, the, one of the answers could yeah. just be that we don't, we don't, I don't, we don't, I don't know map. that there's a good mapping to this one. Like, no, like think, the, 
I mean, when it comes when it comes to the Brave Little Toaster, I mean, honestly, I think the Brave Little Toaster really does map to Hondo. I think I think Hondo has found himself in a lot of situations where he's like fought his way out and and been a leader among people. Uh, I've seen it. I've seen it happen. I feel like. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before you go any further, now I got a a, a legitimate question. Hondo, does this map to the Guardians Friends group? Because it kind of seems like it might. You know what? This actually might be a representation of Guardians as opposed to as opposed to this group. Yeah, because I could totally see if I'm the toaster, Bobby's the vacuum, Nick <laughs> Nick's the radio, Adam's blanky, and <laughs> Chris is the lamp, and then Chris could be the lamp. Yeah, like that. Yeah, I could see this possibly being a better reflection of the Guardians group instead. <laughs> that that seems like that a makes good sense. Point. That makes sense. All right, Josh, go ahead. Did I undercut you? Yeah. Hondo is one of the most determined people I know. Like the way that he sticks to his diets and like his working his workout regimens, um, the way that he like crafted this uh, career for himself at USAA. Um, you know, bouncing back from what happened in Arizona and like doing really well with this with this trajectory. I thought uh, somebody as determined as the toaster. Yeah, I could see that mapping a Hondo within this group. Yeah. Sure. Well, thank you, but I, I kind of see that with all of us, though. Like every single one of us has had one type of hardship or the other that we've had to kind of dig through, and has kind of brought us in a way back together at some point. I guess, like, but I'm I'm a disciplined as fuck, so I'm fat. <laughs> Yeah, but you're disciplined in the sense that you went to school for six years for I, one thing. I, yeah, but that's that's in one aspect of my life. I think the Brave Little Toaster has in one aspect of their yeah, life. Yeah, he just really wanted to see Master. That was the only aspect. But he, not, not just that, but he got, but you know, he he got the others to you know kind of eventually, like I said, utilize their talents, <laughs> not exploit them, but utilize their talents, exploit, exploit. <laughs> for for a common goal. So, I mean, he, he's he, the Brave, the Brave Little Toaster showed a lot of discipline and a lot of focus that I don't have for a lot of things. Or persuasive power. I mean, I, 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 you just you just called yourself you know a bad what, lawyer. You know I, I just wanted one. to tell you that you just called yourself a bad lawyer. You idiot. You know, I have my trial. <laughs> I, I have persuaded some people to vote, to vote my way or rule my way. <laughs> You keep <laughs> no, but, um, you don't know what your record is right now. No, well, I mean, well, I mean, well my first boss told me not to do that because he was like, dude, I didn't. He think he said that he didn't win his first trial until like ten trials in. Oh, wow. Just because so you, so you work for a loser, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, but he was saying like, when you start off on that side, they they only give the young lawyers the shitty cases that aren't supposed to win because it's low risk. Yeah, because yeah, it's low risk. But yeah, you'll get there one day, Josh. <laughs> All you have to do is become the brave little toaster. <laughs> Learn to. I hope. I hope we like uh, neg Josh so hard that he becomes like the top attorney, like attorney general for. Why the United hell would States. I want to do that? Why would I want it that? No, I don't want to be the top. I mean, attorney. you're not gonna want it. We're gonna make you like just to prove us wrong, Josh. Just to prove us wrong. There because we're gonna talk about how shitty you are unless top, you get to the, the next attorneys, level. Attorneys like find their kids. You know, dead from coke use and shit like that. So, no. whoa, whoa. I'm just saying, like, no. I mean, I mean I'll be your, I'll be your kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, back to back to the mapping part of this conversation. Um, I would say Andre is the air conditioner because I think Andre tells people when to fucking cut their losses a lot. <laughs> So, hey man, you know, just that's it. You just move on. <laughs> that's a pretty good impression. I'm just done. Just done. Don't worry, don't worry about it. But, so, so can we talk about one thing that has not been touched yet? All right, I'm, I'm gonna throw this to you. I'm gonna throw this to you as last words, Adrian. I want okay. you to just like no, lay no, it on. No. What was Adrian here? As the, no, no, no. That's what I want. I want him to like. I want a whole. Put it together in your head. Get it all out. 
and we'll discuss if need be, or you might just say everything that needs to be said. Well, no, it's just one sentence. I feel like the last word should be given to someone else because I don't okay. have this long. All right, inspire the last word, monologue. and then whoever wants it can take it. Can we talk about how the Brave Little Toaster was so good that the Brave Little Toaster went to Mars in the sequel? <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't there a third film too? I don't know. Was there? I just I you doing the research. I saw the Brave Little Toaster goes to Mars. He takes the whole crew with him too. So when are y'all gonna do a Land Before Time marathon? <laughs> There's 15. There's 15 <laughs> men before times. Oh, wait. Okay. So if we're doing AI, uh, there, there's got to be some media consumption associated with it. So people that aren't. Well, we should watch there. AI, obviously. <laughs> Is that the one we're going to watch? Oh, God. <laughs> I, robot. How about that? Okay. Okay. No, there's got to be like a legitimate thing. Uh, Agent, upon looking at the research. Uh, the direct sequel to the Brave Little Toaster was Brave Little Toaster to the Rescue, and the third film uh, was Brave Little Goes to Mars. So it did so well wow. that he went to Mars the third time around. It's a trilogy. Jeez. Oh my God. Yep. Man. I guess what our uh, next Mars. podcast is going to be about is, uh, is uh, the other two films. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right, so does anyone actually want the last word? I feel like we should give the last word to our special guest today. Yeah. Oh, hopefully yeah. he's a recurring guest. Recurring guest? Yeah, that'd be nice. Y'all do a Black Panther episode. I would love to get on that because of the stuff that we talked about last time. Oh, shit. Like I did? Yeah. Oh, man. Did y'all talk about my theories on it or no? Yeah, we, we said that they all sucked and they were all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, really. Did y'all, like, attack them? No. <laughs> no, you weren't there. I know, but I thought, I mean, I gave y'all some theories about the movie I bet y'all never thought about. You weren't there. Well, who's going to defend them? Who's going to defend them if you're not here? You, you know, the, like, you know, like y'all needed them to be defended. You could have just attacked them. <laughs> Josh went through like seven different syllables just trying to get out one word. Anyways, Josh, back to the last word. We're all back, the last word is Brave Little Toaster is a perfect example of the culture and the zeitgeist at the moment that these films are made being reflected reflections of them. Uh, we were by we, I mean, the United States was at a tipping point of uh, consumerism and, you know, being disposable with the things that we were consuming and wanting to come up, wanting to come up with the newest thing. Uh, it was at the end of, it was toward the end of the Reagan era where greed was good and consumption was highly thought of and uh, having that cartoon made at that time uh, is a nice little time capsule for us people who don't remember that time because they were too young to look back at and understand what people were primarily concerned with in the same way that Zootopia is for um, you know like a Kiliano generation will see that and they'll be like, oh man, people were, you know, really fucking hung up on race at that point. <laughs> and that's why they made a cartoon about not being racist because people were really hung up about it. And so I'm glad we have the Brave Little Toaster for us to look at, look back at that time and realize that we didn't learn anything from it. But we knew it was a problem. <laughs> wow. I, Bravo. Yeah, good, good shit. I mean, it ties right into the theme of uh, time is a flat circle. We don't learn fucking anything. It's even race. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. Well, uh, thanks again. This has been Flat Circle from the Gayistos Podcast Network. Remember, be yourself just like everyone else, and we'll catch you next time. Good shit, good shit.